I think that's the nicest way to say what happened on Saturday because that was a weird show. Hello and welcome to the Euro What, episode 216, dropping on January 30th, 2024. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McCone, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. In this episode, we'll be talking about Ireland, Luxembourg, and the start of a very busy February. How's it going, Ben? It's good. And yes, it, uh, very busy. I have looked at the weeks to come. This was like a nice warm-up level of busy, and like it's going to get increasingly busier. Yes, especially with, as this episode drops, the draw is just a few hours away, and we're going to get some more structure to this year's contest, and I think that that's going to uh, create walls for things to bounce off of. I feel like it's going to be a very bouncy season. <laughs> yes, yeah, like it, it's going to give some some helpful structure to things. We've just had the entries we've gotten so far in a bubble and have had to go, well, I don't know how this is going to do against anything. Watch, they all end up in the same semifinal plus France. So, (laughs) (laughs) wild. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the draw this year will have 37 countries. We got news that Romania did not approve a budget for participating in Eurovision this year. So, they will be sitting out. The final vote was five yes, four no, and four abstain. I'm guessing you need to have a majority of the people present in order for a budget to pass. We won't be seeing Romania this year in Melma, but they are going to instead focus on funding for the Olympics, which is going to be expensive for everybody, and then uh, some modernization projects. Hopefully they'll be able to come back next year or sometime soon. Perhaps a year off is what the doctor ordered. Yeah, like that that was my main takeaway. I saw some disappointment across the internet. I was like, no, I feel like Romania just needs to like have a year where they sit on the couch and come back refreshed restored mm-hmm. yeah and i mean that could work out for them i mean they they missed out in 2016 that was for a different budget issue like they had some debts that needed to be repaid and so they were uh ejected from the contest but uh yeah they came back with yodel it and everything was super since then right right uh <laughs> I'm not, I, uh, as i definitely don't check wikipedia to see if if there's a smiley face or a frowny face for the remaining years I'm thinking it's like more the uh, squiggle line mouth face. So, <laughs> <laughs> squiggle line mouth face. There's the episode title. Yes, the country count will be 37. 31 of those countries will be divvied up into bowls and assigned first and second semifinal at the draw. The other six countries, that's the Big Five plus Sweden, they will be assigned semifinals to participate in, but they will, of course, be in the grand final, uh, setting up the tent poles, waiting for everybody to come on over from the semifinals. So, yeah, uh, really looking forward to structure. Yay. Uh (laughs) (laughs) This was a, a nice weekend to warm up for the February to come. We kicked off on Friday with Ireland and their Eurosong process. Yes, our favorite, favorite process. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I do, I, I do, like, it's good to just sort of, like, stretch out my my uh, exasperation muscles. Yeah. <laughs> get that in early. Just, yeah, get that yeah. in early so that, like, I don't sprain something later in the season. I, I don't want to be, like completely disingenuous like I feel, I feel like we had a lot of suggestions when we talked about ireland in detail and i think a couple of them came through i thought the sound was much better this time around the sound was better the staging was weird though because like it was as though the majority of the studio floor was lava everybody was in the back third of the stage 
I liked that the stage was wider this year. It wasn't that feeling of everything had to take place in an elevator shaft, which was kind of the feel the last couple of years. But yeah, it was very pushed back, back, way back. And yeah, there was a lot of empty space in front of the performing area. Was it supposed to be like an American bandstand situation where you have the teens dancing in front of each act and like everybody got food poisoning or (laughs) just like... I was just very confused. Like, why is everybody in, like, the back third of the staging area? To Ireland's credit this year, I thought that they picked a really interesting lineup of songs. I would say yes. I mean, more interesting than previous lineups. It's sort of grading on a curve, because, like, some of their previous lineups have not been great. As songs were getting released day over day over, like, the week or so they were dropping them, I was surprised at a couple of them. The the two that I was excited to see and kind of wanted to see somewhere near the top were Elsha's Gotabin and what ended up winning Bambi Thug's Doomsday Blue. Yeah, I think those ones had going into the show the most potential for staging but also the ones that could easily get derailed as a live performance <laughs> like it was high, high risk high reward i think would be a better way of describing that well and I, I would argue that one of them did get derailed performance wise i really liked the concept behind what gotabin was doing it's very high concept it is an entry Partially in Irish about how when you learn Irish in school, the only stuff that you retain is things like the numbers. And I think it is probably the only song of this Eurovision season where the bridge is about asking you to go to the bathroom. So far. So far. Like, I haven't seen Latvia's entries. Anything is possible. We should talk about the winner, Bambi Thug and Doomsday Blue. What do you think of this one? The Eurovision entry that it most closely comes to in my mind is Montaigne's eventual entry from 2021 because, like, it's doing a hyperpop thing. I like that they're going out on a limb and picking a thing that is both screamy and then very sweet during the the choruses. I think that both Gatubbin and this one had some staging issues, but this one feels like it really has potential to think about what does this look like in an arena. Yes. The song itself, it's not like I don't hate it, but it's not my favorite. Like it feels very Marmite, which I think is something that Ireland needs to do. Like p- people will be talking about this one. But yeah, the staging for it, it, at least in that particular venue, was really reading like high school talent show. And I'm, I'm hoping with a budget, with a team to really work and develop this performance, that it's going to elevate. Like if, if they put on the same show as they did on Friday, I think it's just going to fall flat in an arena. It needs something bigger. It has a starting point. It has a starting point, and from the interview with them and the pre-roll, they seemed like they really want to develop this and make this as big as it can be. Whereas, like, I got really worried when Elsha was like, we're going to show you a taste of what we want to do on the big stage, and what they want to do on the big stage is Daz Samson's teenage life. Yeah, I really dislike the staging of that performance. Like, I just thought it was really annoying. Oh, yeah. No, like, it, it highlighted all of the parts of the performance, like the the flute little solo bit over it where i'm just like no this isn't what you should be highlighting from this that one felt the most ireland at eurovision and yes yeah like it was (laughs) ireland at eurovision parentheses derogatory yeah uh which should we talk about the judging panels (laughs) uh yeah let's let's talk about the judging panels because like 
Ireland loves to have 17 different juries, only three of which are voting. There, there have been rumors going around that Eurosong might spin out into its own national final next year. And I really hope that's the case because having the in-studio panel giving feedback that nobody can take action on except the winner and then the audience booing anything that is potentially negative, but 100% correct. It's just like, this is not American Idol 2004. So I had to leave four entries in to go uh, see a talk led by a friend of the show, Maura Johnston, with Chris Melanfi about his new book, which is great. Uh, and then like I came back and watched a recap of everything else and was just like, oh, no, this boy band is terrible. The good stuff in the, in the lineup was good, and the, the bad stuff was very generic. Yeah, and very what Ireland has been doing. But the fact that the boy bland, as I've been calling them, <laughs> were it not for the national jury, they probably would have won. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's like I was looking at the, the international jury's results going, what are y'all doing? Your job here is to is to pick something that will get Ireland out of its morass. Yeah, or just keep kneecapping them until yeah it's like the stuff that they put towards the top of theirs would absolutely have kneecapped Ireland. it's the stuff they've been sending it's the stuff that doesn't work i just wish that there was some delineation of what each jury's purpose is because looking at the the background of the the international jury you have a lot of people where it is very tv focused and very eurovision tv focused like you had wiley you had one of the main people at wee wee blog so like those are people who think about eurovision as eurovision I guess, like, for the international jury, uh, well, let, let me say it this way. Would your opinion of what the jury was doing change had you known that it was, like, the international jury is very TV-focused and, like, like clearly spelled out? Or is it just the fact that this is how it was composed that's causing the problem for you? Hmm. Like, I would love to know, like, if each jury's purpose is to be looking at a specific aspect of the performance or if they're thinking of everything. I, I think ultimately a correct choice was made. I don't know if it's the correct choice. I, I really liked Erica Cody's performance and song. So like yeah, no, uh, Erica, Co yeah, like Erica Cody, that was the first song they, they gave us. I'm like, okay, if, if Ireland wants to go in the Brooke direction again, this is a really solid entry. This would be fun. It did the standard Euro song thing of sticking four dancers, just going real hard in the paint behind the singer. But like, it was, it was a good performance. I think it could have been better, but like I'm just so excited that Ireland is doing something different and really interesting here. Yeah, they're not, they're not playing it safe, and I think that's where they need to go. They have been playing it safe for a lot of years, and it has not been getting them anything. So do something weird. Scream for attention. So <laughs> ah, all right. So along with Ireland, we got our first selection in. 30 some odd years from Luxembourg. They had their Luxembourg song contest on Saturday. Overall, I think it was a good showcase of what Luxembourg wants to do at Eurovision. I think that's the nicest way to say what happened on Saturday because that was a weird show. <laughs> yeah, like the more I watch, the more I'm like, why are you guys doing the American song contest? A lot of staging is happening. The opening essentially parade of nations from like last year's contest but just with like and like rightly so because like luxembourg has won five times so yes please trot out Anne marie david i love that song you guys have eight entries and you and you guys are doing like the full we won eurovision 
yeah, like eight entries, four hosts, which why were there four hosts? Only two of them were really doing any work. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, like I had forgotten that there were four separate hosts. I was just like, I because like I was just like, yeah, there's like two of them. It's like, no, there were four of them. It felt like it was trying to be a primer for Eurovision in a way of just like, okay, this is how the contest sort of works where it and just... I don't know, like putting on a Eurovision costume. I'm not really describing this very well, but it, it's like there was a lot of Eurovision 101 happening on yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, like, admittedly, hello Luxembourg, we used to do this. This is the first time we've done it in 30 years. Here's how this works. But I feel like they're, I feel like people know what Eurovision is. Yeah, because I mean, I, I get the sense that they're still able to watch it because they are just so centrally located <laughs> between like such uh, big broadcasters. But I, I was, I was looking at the, on the on the Luxembourg webpage today because I had asked myself the question: How do you get to Luxembourg? It turns out it's very centrally located by train. I need to stop thinking of Luxembourg and the various other microstates as the Europe equivalent of a one-stoplight town. A lot of budget was being thrown at this because I'm just like, they have an arena? Of course they have an arena. Admittedly, like, this is the first time we've done this in 30 years. We might not get a chance to do this again. Mm -hmm. Sure, but, like, save, like, a couple of the winners for next year. I'm curious if this is also just kind of tying in with it being like a big national production. Like, I have no idea what their TV schedule is like. Like, I I really know nothing about Luxembourg because I've not had to actually think about them until uh, this year for the most part. (laughs) Yes. It's just, yeah, it's just something that we've not really needed to dive into. All of the pageantry beforehand... Like it was very slow and it was very fast in terms of like the the intro. I, I had this on one screen. I had Lithuania on the other. And I was just like, okay, come on, guys. Lithuania is through two songs already. And then all of a sudden, all of the songs happened in Luxembourg. It was, I think, 20 after when the first intro package began. And it was like, all right, Austria is getting impatient. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like that in, in, amongst, the, amongst the pageantry, they did pick uh, Poupée de Sire, Poupée de Son as the everybody gets to sing this one. Because that that is like when you have eight entries, seven of which are like vo- various voice alumni. Mm-hmm. That, that's just like a song where everybody gets to put some mustard on their line. Yes, yes. And like the whole group performance really did, again, remind me of American Idol 2004. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, laughs> it, was, it, was it was very American Idol group number at the start of the show. Maybe that is also feeding into the production. It's like since this did feature so many voice alumni, like th- these felt like performances that you would see on The Voice. And yeah, I, I, I think that's fair to expect that it, it is a high level of production like I, I really i really think luxembourg was trying to prove okay when we win eurovision we will be able to host it all of the video treatments the like voting number and the name down in the corner like uh, like they were doing everything to make it look like this is eurovision at the scale of luxembourg my main concern is that it feels like they're very ready to win eurovision 2016 hmm the entries were all very competent, very well produced, but it all felt not quite in step with what has been happening at like the last couple Eurovisions in terms of what is winning. And like part of it may have just been that like the stuff that I was responding to did not end up in the top three. I, I liked whoever the the fifteen year old who will be sixteen by time of Eurovision, where they gave her like the very Celine ballad. Uh, I thought that was lovely. And then like the one band, like I I didn't hate their number. I thought it was fun. It was still very 2016, but it was fun. Hopefully they will be doing this again. Uh, like, I, I hope this is not like a one and done thing. It's like, we spent all our money. We'll see you in 30 years. I really hope they did not blow their wad on this. But uh, yeah, I hope they kind of rejigger the voting format because it was really 
overdone, I think. <laughs> like, So the way it was set up is they had eight international juries that were giving points out to their top six songs. And then it would be a proportional televote. The top three acts would then move on to a super final and go through a similar process. The eight juries would give out 12, 10, 8, and then there would be a proportional televote. I don't know what the purpose of the second jury is, because I have a very difficult time thinking somebody's going to be like, oh, well, I rank this second, third, and seventh. I guess I'll move seventh up to first place now. Like, I, like it feels like it's just going to be in the same rank order. What's going to happen in between these rounds of voting that is going to, like, sway a jury member's heart? And then, like, the presentation of the points was very confusing. I, I think by the time they got to the seventh or eighth juror, they kind of figured out what was going on. There was technical difficulties with the first one, so that also made things tricky. But Yeah, just like domino effects. Yeah, but then uh, they were giving just their 12 points when there's only three acts that you're considering. It's like, okay, that's kind of weird. But then the graphics, like... They would pop the juror onto the screen and then show which act got eight points. And it's like, oh, no, the the graphics are ahead of the presenter. Oh, wait, no, that's on purpose. Like, it was just a lot of stuff moving, but not anything actually happening. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like, and like, to your point earlier, it's like they're showing that, yes, we can host a Eurovision. We have the technology. We can do television production. But we, we trust you can do that. We don't. Mm-hmm. And like it, it, it just it was just weirdly messy. It felt like they hadn't rehearsed this, or that there were just too many ideas and not enough people saying let let's put that on the back burner. Like, yeah, <laughs> again, it's why like, are there four it, hosts? Why do we have five different Eurovision performers performing their song, and then also a montage of cameos from the Alumni Association, well wishing <laughs> Luxembourg on their return? Yeah, and not cameos as in oh, somebody walking on the stage and waving, like the product cameo, <laughs> the, the, the internet service cameo. Yeah, yeah. Mont Zemmerlov giving his uh, well wishes Doing from, his, his, from car. his car. Oh my god. <laughs> From his car, like, Mons, do it in front of, like, a wall at your house. Yeah. Uh, I, I think my absolute favorite, though, was Kalush Orchestra, because their message was so generic that you could pop it into any national final, and it would just be them wishing good luck to whoever wins, insert national final name here. <laughs> I just really want to see that exact same video clip pop up at a different national final. Oh, that would be so amazing. <laughs> Have it be the start of every pre-party in April. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, just, like, I feel like, if nothing else, even if they never return, I feel like Luxembourg has made a very strong case for, like, why the Eurovision Hall of Fame or museum or whatever should be located there instead of in, like, Sweden. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if, if anything, the convenience of a central location. So <laughs> Two hours by train from many of your favorite cities. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess we should probably talk about the song that won. Of the eight songs, the winner was the song Fighter by Tali. <laughs> I really enjoyed this performance. I have a difficult time seeing it really standing out from a full field when we get yes. there. But yes to all of this. Like yeah. it was like of of the eight, was it the correct one? Yes. Is it good, but in like in a way that doesn't really stick in my head? Yes. Did I like I had to watch it like twice this morning. Okay. Song wise, it, it's it's there. It's present. It's a it's a competent Eurovision song. I don't want to be there when they have to tell one of the six dancers that they can't go to to Malmo. 
I was getting so unreasonably angry when there was more than six people on stage because that happened a lot. And I was just like, Luxembourg, Same. who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> you know how this works. You can't use absence as an excuse. One of my favorite Eurovision tropes that really is only for me is like when you have a vocalist very nicely singing their song and like two to three dancers just like going at it. Yeah. <laughs> with, a, with an energy that does not match the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have any immediate suggestions for how this could get zhuzhed up. I, I have a feeling when they do have that tough conversation with the dancer, they are going to have to tinker with the choreography a little bit. It also was reading a little too close to the choreography from slow-mo, particularly with the costuming and stuff, but not at that level of performance. Like it was just like kind of hinting at that. It was like, mm, let's mess with the aesthetic a little bit. It was the slow-mo that you order from, from Wish. So that was Luxembourg, and Iceland was making their announcement, like, right after Luxembourg? Iceland has, the last couple years, done a reveal program where they show their full lineup. Everybody is getting coffee in various places around Reykjavik. It makes me all sorts of weirdly nostalgic for the times I've been there. I've been like, oh, I've been to that coffee shop. Yay! (laughs) Yeah. I like this year's lineup. It's felt like Iceland has sort of been, like, restocking its it's it's musical well when it comes to eurovision and like just trying some stuff because like uh you know sister made it to italy and made it to the final so it, there is sort of a okay do we keep going acoustic do we kind of take things in a more up-tempo way this class of 2024 at least from like the little snippets feels much more up-tempo but also feels more cohesive as a group of songs weirdly than the last couple years for me Hera Bjork is back, uh, who represented in 2010. She's popped up at various Song with Captains. Just seems like a fun person in general. I would like to hang out with her. I, I want to hear her behind-the-scenes stories. Yeah. <laughs> fun wine ant energy. One that I have absolutely seen live before, both because they were at Airwaves in 2019 and they've been part of Dothy Frere's band during some of his touring, is Cease Tone. Uh, and then from last year's Song of a Captain final, we had Siga Oaks, uh, who was the the... Super 80s kind of I want to dance with somebody vibe from last year's final. Right, right. Okay. Big one that I was waiting to see if it was confirmed or not. Bashar Murad was possibly in the mix. Yeah, Iceland's taking a stand. We'll put it that way. There had been some discussion, I think we mentioned it on the show, that the Association of Composers and Lyricists of Iceland and activists of the boycott, divestment, and sanctions were petitioning Ruve to potentially pull out of this year's Eurovision. Uh, Ruve took the step of saying they're going to chat with whoever wins the song of the captain and evaluate after discussing with the winning artist. But Bashar Murad is in the mix. Bashar Murad collaborated with Hatari in 2019. He is a queer Palestinian artist. And I'm just very intrigued because as soon as you sent me the, the article, I was like, I really want to see who the co-writers on that are. And it turns out they are Einar and Matthias from Hatari. Okay. Yeah. I, I was wondering if Hattori was going to be part of the festivities this year, given what happened in Israel in 2019. As soon as this was announced, Iceland has moved to the top of the bookkeepers table. And I know we say do not listen to the bookkeepers, but, uh, yeah, this has gotten very tense very quickly i i would say so i mean i would like even without all of the potential the the potential controversy it needs to be said potent like there's a chance this could flop oh yeah absolutely i would be intrigued if it was just bashar murad in song of the captain because he's doing like his song is called wild west uh he's playing on cowboy imagery which is fun love that 
and it's sort of talking about how we view the global West. So like Bashar Barad doing a song for Song of Captain was always going to be a political song. It's something that is not theoretically a, politi- a political contest. And given the rules of Song Vakepnen, where your first performance has to be in Icelandic, I assume Icelandic is not his first language. <laughs> From the special, uh, his segment is mostly in English. Uh, and some of the questions asked him was like, okay, how difficult is it to sing in Icelandic? And he's like, yeah, no, it's kind of tough. I've had, I've had some excellent coaches. Iceland has entered the chat. This does not surprise me because like Iceland is is a fairly small nation, so it doesn't take a lot of people for them to decide that, okay, yeah, we're going to pay attention to this, we're going to draw notice to this, they have done it before. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that was what their story was in 2019, and it's probably going to be the story again. I do not see this missing the final of Song of a Captain. Yeah, so that all gets started on February 17th. There's two semifinals. I believe Bashar is in the second semifinal? Bashar is in the second one on February 24th, and the final is March 2nd. Right. Uh, Norway had their third and final heat for uh, NRK and GP. And the acts that got through were Anne Princess, Mia, and Keino. Ben, you pointed out that acts four, five, and six were the ones that advanced each week of this year's competition. <laughs> yes. And like, I don't know if that was just like a random draw for what position they were in, or just like this, this is, this gives the show a nice flow, or just Norway does not have object permanence. Yeah. This is the uh, new version of, oh, all of the finalists are from week one. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, it, it's a fun twist on an old formula. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say, I think these were the correct three to advance from this particular heat. The one I was maybe, like, I, I found interesting was Mistra, which is, like, for for lack of better description, pretty lady singer and black metal guitarist. Okay. Yeah, which seems to be a theme this year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> seems and, like, to be a theme I liked, this episode. So. Yeah, I, like the, I, I liked the idea of that performance. I thought the staging was very clever okay. and, and, like, was really well thought out, but it also kind of felt like somebody had that visual first and then was like, well, I need to write a song around this, and the song is okay. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about Anne Princess's song. Well, kind of the reverse of that, where it's just like, okay, just have these sort of, I don't know, grab bag of phrases that all kind of blend together, and we we can come up with a staging concept for that. And I thought the staging was interesting for it, but the the song was much more word salad-y than uh, I had picked up on in just my listening to the tracks. (laughs) I'm now thinking about the lyrics of the song going, yeah, like, I don't... I remember the chorus, but yeah, like I could, like the the verses could absolutely be just word salad. I had been excited about the Kano song this time around. I like the idea of their performance, but they need to have everybody on the stage in view of the audience more quickly for me. Yeah, like this track has been interesting to me in that it is a Kano track, uh, even though it like prominently features Alexandra, which is fine. Like, I mean, they they are a trio, and like they you have to balance that out but uh yeah it really seems like the the two guys are really in the background and so having them not on screen it's like oh well their presence i miss their presence but at the same time their presence isn't necessary the one thing that really isn't necessary the tvs with the lips on them no thank you (laughs) oh like this this podcast has two hosts i love the video drum tv dancers nope (laughs) (laughs) yeah like like my 
one note for that performance just like i could have gone my whole life without having to see the tv people so <laughs> okay I, yeah again like i i'm just like i love the fun body horror aspect of this yeah okay yeah that 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 is where we differ really i think i might not have had as much of a problem uh if they didn't cut to it just being the lips on the screen if it was just them dancing with just the like image. let's stay on the band yeah Minor things that can be fixed uh, between now and May, you know? <laughs> the thing I like about that song is that it feels like Kano went to the Barbie movie. And we're like, we can make an Aqua song. And then we're like driving home from that and heard Padam Padam on the radio. We're like, that's what we're doing. We're doing a Norwegian version of Padam Padam. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was no surprise that they got through for me. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was the easy one. The one that I'm really... Disappointed is not quite the right word, but I was really looking forward to Mia's performance. I think Green Lights is a fantastic song. And like getting getting back to the lyrics of things, it's like, okay, this is where you take an idea and build off of that idea throughout the song and like really getting into the idioms of it. But that performance was such a euphoria clone that it was just like, oh, this is not what you should be doing. This is not think. the one. Yeah. I mean, like, just the, the part where she is moving around the stage, that choreography needs to be fixed because it looks ridiculous to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, 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 it's immediately snapping. Oh, right. Yeah. No, that part of the choreography where there's, because it's just her on the stage. Although I really do appreciate that they were using lighting as a main feature of, uh, of the performance. I feel like that is an aspect that does not get utilized quite enough at Eurovision. And it mm -hmm. sounds like particularly with the staging this year, lighting can be a very powerful tool in the tool set. And I, I like that green lights could be taking advantage of that were it to make it to Malma. What is your pick to win? I feel like I am never on the pulse of what Norway wants to do. Because, like, last year, I was like, yeah, they're going to finally send Ulrike. And no, Alexandra was the clear winner. I'm still kind of rooting for Kano. I mean, I think this is a, a strong performance for them. I feel like, it, I know I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Goethe? How do you handle those A's? Gata, the, yeah, Gaute? Gaute. Gaute. Yeah, Ulvaham yeah, could be a surprise one, too. Although they do have to change the lyrics of the song. And it's very funny because it's not like a copyright issue. It's a, these are the existing lyrics of a medieval ballad. Can you mm. guys do like a little bit of a zhuzh? Yeah. <laughs> Which is fun. Yeah. Like I, I love the fact that Steve Carlson, the head of the Norwegian delegation specifically called out the copyright issue aspect of it. It's like, well, I, were people questioning copyright on thousand year old manuscripts? I mean, even Disney mm -hmm. like has to realize that you can't have a copyright that long. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the other one that like I really like, but I have no clue how it's playing with Norwegian public is "Judge Tenderly of Me." Clunky as those lyrics are, like the performance just really blew me away. But I have no clue if that's the mood that Norway's in this year. Yeah, that's that's the tricky part. Like, what is the mood? I look at Kano and I have nitpicks about the performance and how they stage it, but like I trust them to restage that for Malmo in a way that works with that stage and that makes it a little bit more dynamic if they get the win. And I think it's going to make a difference in the final, since that is going to be in an arena and not a TV studio. Like, I, I think yeah. that performance, if the vocal can fill the arena, because that was the, that was kind of my nitpick with Kaino's performance on Saturday, where it's not that the backing track was doing a lot of heavy lifting, but it really felt like there was uh, a lot more background support than I think they can get away with in an arena setting. 
Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but like, I'm confident that they are going to be able to deliver the vocal because like, they, they've done it before. So, yes. Yeah. It's, it's like, I know that they have the ability to deliver a good vocal live. That final will be happening this coming Saturday. Yes. Lithuania's process continues. Uh, we had Heat 3 this week where Pluie du Comet uh, and Be Careful was the jury's choice. And Showers Impossible was the televote choice. This week was a tough week in that it seemed like the jury was on one wavelength, the audience was on a different wavelength, and I was on some third wavelength. Like, I don't yes. think there was any agreement anywhere across the board. No, no. <laughs> we talked last week about how, like, not getting the, the chance to see entries sort of respond to the performance and evolve over, like, multiple performances I think that Lithuania could have done slightly more of a call this year. We have 40 entries out of 60 entries received. There were only 60? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. I was looking yeah, I was looking at the details. Yeah, they they had somewhere in like 60, 65 things to choose from. They cut that down to 40. Looking back at previous Pabando Mishnaoyos, in 2021 there were like 20 things plus the roop. Right. Uh otherwise it's been around like 30 to 36. I can see Maybe wanting to build up the pool a little bit because there were there are a lot of people who aren't competing this year that have been like pretty consistent appearances. Like I'm thinking of like Gabrasi. Uh, yeah, in, in- we're getting a lot of interesting new talent, but a, like some of it definitely feels like not quite ready for prime time. Yeah, which really like week three, I think is the time to put in that set uh and uh just kind of see like what rises to the top but yeah this was a very confusing scoreboard to look at uh at at the end of the day because like i'm i'm a little bit baffled at why the jury picked be careful i thought that was really kind of a flat performance and song all around i thought that the vocal on impossible was nice but the song itself was kind of whiny yeah i actually bailed on that one before it finished (laughs) there were a couple that i was just like you know i think i got the idea here and like moved on because life is short i have been waiting for a week where it's not just the juries one and two and the televotes one and two as the things going through and we got that this week uh be careful was third with the televote impossible was fourth with the jury yeah and it was very possible for uh, a couple of the contestants to jamala their way into the final like uh there was a 10-6 split uh with uh two of the contestants and if either one of them got 10-10 they would have been in perhaps the scoring system isn't as questionable as we've been saying the last few weeks but it's yeah it's not as impenetrable as we thought we have two more weeks of this before we get to the final uh next week we have vilia who represented Lithuania before with attention. And then uh, Monica Maria, who I believe has been in a few of the last Pabandoms. Could Lithuania do the three-peat with Monica's? That's exactly why I'm rooting for her. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Norway. Like, they they are really into people whose names are Alex. So like, Alexander, Alexandra. Like, it, it's... And if Kieno goes... They'll have another Alexander this time. So there we uh, go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to be a pretty busy week of processy stuff. Malta is in the middle of their birthday month celebration thing. If you go to our website, yourwhat.com, check out our Malmo page. We have a Google Calendar set up there. Uh, it has all of the national finals, information about each of the shows, where you can watch them, and you can add that calendar to your own calendar. So it should update automatically. So be sure to check that out. Yes. Yeah. And then also happening this week is Spain's process. 
Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, uh, things are happening. They are selecting an entry. Uh, and we we have a demoscopic jury in the mix, Mike. I think that at some point I will look up how it works. Spain's selection will be 50% international jury, 25% demoscopic jury, and 25% televote. I know that's been the split the previous years. I still find that to be a weird split. Like, Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Make make it jury twenty five percent, jury twenty five percent, tell about fifty percent. Trust your people, Spain. Yeah. Although hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that systems can be gamed, but uh yeah, that could really yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe just a third piece? I don't know. Uh <laughs> I don't, like I feel like even like even though uh Blanca Paloma kind of face planted in terms of the vote last year at Eurovision itself, I thought that that was a really bold performance and it was very cool to see Spain get behind that as much as Chanel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anything, like the the Spanish fandom will be enthusiastic about everything uh, regardless. Like <laughs> one of my favorite memories from 2018 uh, was heading to the arena and the uh, subway car having a rousing chorus of two cancion. Uh, <laughs> the only time I heard anybody excited about that track. So. <laughs> Lol. Also happening on Saturday will be Ukraine's Vidbeer. Over the, uh, the last couple of weeks, the public selected the jury for Vidbeer. It is going to consist of Andre Danielko, otherwise known as Vergas Oduchka. Uh, we've got Jamala and we've got uh, Sergei Tankinets, who is the frontman of the band Bez Obmanzen. They apparently played Chicago last fall, so that's cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, that is one of the things that I really like about Vidbeer. It's the fact that the public chooses the jury. I think that is a really neat factor that I don't see in any of the other national finals. Yeah, like there's just a really nice level of transparency with that. Of like, these are the people that we trust as the jury. The show will be hosted by uh, Yulia Sanina and Timur, and they will also be working with Vassal Baidak. And it's actually going to turn out to be a Ukrainian Dancing with the Stars Season 7 reunion. Uh, when I was doing background <laughs> on Sarah, uh, yeah, the, uh, his Wikipedia page mentioned that he did Dancing with the Stars. And it's like, oh, well, who else was on that season? Yulia Sanina was the runner-up that season. And Aliona Aliona, who's one of the contestants at Vidvir this year, also competed in the 2020 edition. So, um, yeah, I just think that's funny. Uh, <laughs> I just think that's neat. <laughs> Yeah, it's like how Melfest is sometimes like, oh, it's Swedish Idol 2007 reunion time. Great. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is going to be kicking off uh, this upcoming Super Saturday. That show will be on YouTube and our calendar has a link to the YouTube version that will have English commentary. So yeah, definitely one to check out. It may be a long show. There are 11 acts and uh, depending on how thorough the jury is going to be, and they t tend to be thorough. They, they are thorough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it could be a three-hour show, but it's going to be a good three-hour show. Yes. Yeah. And that is one of four finals happening this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of new stuff to talk about this time next week. Until then, that's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. If you'd like to help support the show and access a ton of bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash EuroWhat. Our full coverage of the 2024 Eurovision Song Contest can be found on our website at EuroWhat.com. You can also follow us on social media at EuroWhat. Next time on the EuroWhat, we'll recap the first Super Saturday of 2024 and get ready for San Remo and UMK.